I'm Dorsa Jabari in Tehran. Since the beginning of Israel's war on Gaza, which followed a surprise attack by Hamas on southern Israel on October the 7th, international speculation has grown about Iran's involvement in the group's military operation. Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei has denied reports that Iran has played any role, even as he acknowledged the offensive as a success. Now, eight weeks into Israel's war, the human toll is staggering. Thousands of Palestinians killed in Gaza and more than 1.8 million forcibly displaced. Increased Israeli raids in the occupied West Bank have killed hundreds of Palestinians and seen thousands arrested. After a brief respite during a seven-day pause in hostilities negotiated by Qatar, Egypt and the U.S., Israel's bombardment of Gaza has resumed. International calls for a permanent ceasefire are growing, as are accusations that Israel is failing to abide by the laws of war. Amid the devastation and turmoil, questions arise about what Iran might do next. Over the next half hour, we explore these issues with a former Iranian foreign minister, past ambassador to the United Nations, and current advisor to the Supreme Leader. Join us for an in-depth look at Iran's position during these rapidly evolving events as Kamal Kharazi talks to Al Jazeera. Kamal Kharazi, thank you for talking to Al Jazeera. The Qatari-mediated ceasefire lasted for seven days between Hamas and Israel, and now the fighting is continuing yet again in Gaza. What is Iran's position on the current situation on the ground in Gaza? Thank you very much. Basically, Iran has been supporting ceasefire from the beginning. And uh, now that Israel has come back to fighting, I believe that is a, a strategic mistake. Because not only they have to fight with Hamas and uh, Palestinians in Gaza as well in West Bank, but also they have to fight politically with different countries who are supporting ceasefire, even Americans. And more than that, they had to fight with public opinion around the world. So it's a strategic mistake. We believe as soon as possible they have to come back to ceasefire and stop these brutalities and crimes. The Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei on November 29th uh, explicitly shattered the notion that Iran wants the expulsion of Jews in the future. Uh, state of Palestine. He said that some are lying when they claim that Iran says all Jews or Zionists should be thrown into the sea. These are things stated by some Arabs in the past. We never said this. We don't throw anyone into the sea. Does this mean that Iran will support a two-state solution if the Palestinian people agree to it? Basically, we have our own views. Iran needs neighbor to Israel. And uh, therefore, I'm glad that the leader of the Islamic Republic has, has uh, clarified this issue. In terms of uh, two-state solution, nationally, we do not believe in that. Because first of all, Israel itself is not supporting this uh, plan. Uh, second, it's not possible. It's not feasible at all. Because only 20% of the Palestinian land is in the hands of Palestinians right now. And even in that 
20 percent, there are a lot of settlers who have, who have been occupying the Palestinian land. So it's not, in fact, practical to talk about the two-state solution. We believe that uh, the final solution would be establishing one state, composed of Muslims, Christians, and Jews, decided by the original uh, people who have been living in this land. And this, I believe, eventually would be the reasonable uh, plan to uh, come up with a solution. We have the case of South Africa, for example, that eventually they removed apartheid regime and they come back to democratic state. This has to be really thought about. I believe the one state solution is getting more support these days around the world. Do you think it's, even with a two-state solution based on the 1967 borders, if the Palestinian people accept this, and they have said some within their own leadership um, that they would, would you then support it? This is all their own business, of course. We have our own position, but we are not going to dictate our position to others. But uh, basically, we believe that uh, that cannot be and this is not only the current uh, government position. Even in 1947, before the establishment of Israel, that was the position of Iranians in the United Nations. At that time, the representative of Iran had a speech and said, by two-state solution, Never fighting would be ended, and there would be bloodshed all over these years. And that has been correct. Therefore, eventually there should be one state that uh, Palestinian and others would live together democratically. The Iranian foreign minister said that Iran supports Palestinian resistance groups, politically, ideologically, and with humanitarian aid. Can you confirm that your government doesn't provide military or financial support to these groups? No, we are ready to support them by all means. Including supplying them with Even weapons? Even if we would have access to that part of the world. But the road is ended. I mean, there's no way to reach them. It is only their capability and talent that they have been producing whatever they needed. Now they have missiles, they have other armaments that are, they need, and these have been all developed by themselves. They know how to uh, get arms, how to develop arms, but uh, we will uh, be ready to support them by all means. So you would be willing to send military assistance if and it's financial? Possible. If it is possible, Certainly, there is no limitation, but uh, it is not possible right now. And do you think, if that were the case, you were able to do that, and you did that, do you think that would further complicate this conflict by you supplying weapons to one side? Basically, you have to think that what is this conflict? You know, a group of people have come to the lands of Palestinians, have occupied that land, now Palestinians are doing defense. 
this is their self-defense right. And uh, it's, uh, it's like, for example, if you are leaving your house, somebody would come and kick you out. You have to defend yourself. So it's a question of self-defense. I believe uh, Israelis do not have such a right because they are occupiers. They claim that they are doing whatever crimes they are committing because of self-defense. But it's not self-defense. They are occupiers. It is the right of self-defense on the uh, Palestinian side. The United States has sent messages to you since the start of the war, stressing that they don't want a wider conflict with Iran in the Middle East. Do you believe it's possible to avoid one at this stage, given Israel is continuing its military path in Gaza? Everyone has to try to uh, prevent expansion of this war because it's not in the interest of America, it's in the interest of regional states, it's not in the interest of uh, Europeans. And therefore, we have been always against expansion of this war. But war has its own calculations. One mistake may push you to engagement. And that is something that has to be considered. Therefore, nobody can say that what will be in the future. We have to be ready to defend ourselves as other countries in the region. And we are ready. We are ready to defend ourselves by full means. Does that mean all your military capabilities and forces have been put on a certain level of alert since the start of the war in Gaza? We have been always on alert. And uh, therefore, we have to be ready. There's no choice. We have to be ready to defend ourselves. What is the red line for Iran in terms of getting involved militarily with either the U.S. or Israel? What would be a possible scenario or trigger that would draw Iran into this conflict militarily? If they aggress against us, naturally we have no choice but to defend ourselves. That is why we have to be ready for everything. What, and we are ready for that. What would, be, what would constitute an act of aggression to Iran? Yeah, you know, for us, it's, uh, uh, any aggression against uh, our territories would be, uh, naturally has to be responded. Hassan Nasrallah's much anticipated speeches uh, were all about defending the limited engagements of his group. But could Hezbollah change its tactics and engage in a full-blown war if Hamas can't sustain its um, attacks in Gaza any longer? Hezbollah has been, has been doing very wisely. Of course, they were uh, at the danger of Israeli attacks against Lebanon. You know, basically, Hezbollah's responsibility is to defend uh, Lebanon, but also, you know, they can help other members of Axis of Resistance. By what uh, Hezbollah has done so far at the border with Israel, about three parts of Israeli army have been engaged in the north, and there have been a lot of refugees from northern city in Israel to the south. And all of this has put a lot of pressure on Israeli government. 
And that has been a kind of support to Hamas by itself. But if Israelis would, uh, I mean, increase their attacks on Lebanon, naturally that would be the responsibility of Hezbollah to defend fully against Israeli aggression. Senior Israeli military officials have said that the situation on the Lebanon border is explosive, despite current lull in fighting and the resumption of the fighting now, and could escalate into a war or several days of heavy battles. What would be Iran's response should uh, Hezbollah engage in a full-out war with Israel along its borders? If they aggress uh, Lebanon, naturally they will engage in full war. But right now, there has been just a borderline exchange of uh, fight. And uh, I said that Israel, uh, Hezbollah has been uh, doing that wisely. And therefore, it all depends on the future, that what would be, I mean, the level of this fighting. Do you think their response has been sufficient? Because there's been some um, criticism both within uh, Lebanon and the Arab world, of Hezbollah, of not uh, responding strongly enough to Israel uh, alongside its borders so far. What is Iran's position? Are you in agreement with their tactics until now, or do you think they could you know, basically, I have to say that we do not order others, but others decide themselves based on their conditions and uh, situation that they are living in. This has been the decision of Hezbollah so far, and, but I believe it has been quite wisely. And the analysis of the Israelis that the situation is very dangerous at the border, it is true, it is dangerous because they have the experience of uh, 33 days war with Hezbollah, and they know that since then Hezbollah has become much more, much more stronger. Therefore, certainly they have the right to be very anxious and concerned. Moving on to Syria and the occupied Golan Heights. Uh, Israel has launched multiple airstrikes since October 7th with the aim of destroying targets belonging to revolutionary guards and shutting down main airports. So Israel has been very much on the offensive in Syria. Iran's revolutionary guard forces are active in Syria by the request of the Assad government. What's been your response? Basically, this attack has been against Syrian territories. Although in some cases, maybe some damages to Iranian side. But uh, we have not left that without response. There has been response in the past. There will be response in the future. And some of the members of the axis of resistance also have responded to that. And. Uh, any aggression has to be responded. I want to talk about this axis of resistance. When did it come into play? When did Iran feel that it should exist? How did it form? It has been formed to, uh, I mean, uh, react to the uh, intervention of foreigners, including Israelis. and. Uh, liberation of Palestine, supporting Palestinians who are doing their best to liberate their land, and therefore as a matter of responsibility, uh, access of uh, resistance has been 
developed. And so far, they have been quite successful in terms of putting pressure on Israelis and Americans as well, who are supporting Israelis. What uh, Yemenis did, for example, in recent days, that was a new phenomenon. They have now the capability to control the sea. And therefore, all of these are in support of uh, axis of resistance. And somehow it can be considered as a kind of reply and reaction to the atrocities of Israelis in Syria and elsewhere. Let's talk about the Houthis you just mentioned. They've claimed responsibility for a number of attacks against Israeli-owned ships and U.S. naval fleet in the Red Sea. With them claiming to control the Red Sea and your naval fleet in the Gulf, is there a wider strategy at play here to retaliate against U.S. naval forces in these waters? You know, you know these axes of members of axes of resistance, they decide by themselves and uh, they put uh, energy and uh, work toward their uh, destination. And uh, Yemenis these days are very powerful in terms of uh, resisting, I guess, aggression. Also in supporting other members of the axis of resistance. What they did in the sea and what they did in terms of missiles and uh, drones was in support of uh, Hamas, in fact. And therefore, all of this had to be considered as the power of axis of resistance. There are these, like you said, part of the groups that make up the axis of resistance. There must be some coordination between all these groups. They can't independently work on their own. Sure, they make the decisions independently, but there must be some coordination between all of them. Uh, where does Iran play a part in this axis of resistance? You know, it's a, a strategy. It has been developed by Iran, and they are supporting this strategy. This doesn't mean that on every spot there would be a coordination between Iran and the uh, axis of resistance. But uh, they are doing by themselves. They are manufacturing what they need in terms of armament. They are funded by themselves. But uh, in the same time, whatever support Iran can do, if they request, naturally we don't hesitate. Including military and financial support? Yeah, if it's possible. The Iranian Foreign Minister, Hossein Amir Abdullahian, has said that the situation in the Middle East is a powder keg that could explode at any moment. Israel's stated aim is to get rid of Hamas completely. Can Iran accept a world without Hamas? It is basically a wishful thinking by Israelis to eradicate Hamas. It's not possible to do that. And uh, there has been many other cases around the world that uh, underground movement cannot be eradicated. Hamas is an ideology. Hamas has the support of Palestinians. And uh, so far during this war have shown that uh, they have kept their capability. Their organization has not been eradicated, but they have been fighting with uh, invaders to the extent that many Israeli soldiers have been killed, many armaments have been destroyed. And that shows that it's not easy. It is a wishful thinking to 
just uh, remove Hamas and to eradicate this organization, it's not possible. How long do you think then that can this continue if the stated aim, you say, of Israel is impossible? They will continue this bombardment until there's nothing left in Gaza. Yeah, but what they, I mean, arrived to just hate around the world against Israel's atrocities, killing children, killing women, elderly. As you know, most of the people who have been killed are children and women. What kind of a strategy is this? This is out of uh, anger. It is quite clear that they do not have a physical war strategy. It's just uh, motivated by their anger. This is not the way to fight. I mean, there should be some results out of this war. So far, it has been proven that there is no result. Bad killing, which has been incitive to public opinion around the world against Israel. I want to end with uh, Iran's nuclear program. The IEA uh, report and the latest accusations against Iran and non-compliance. Rafael Grossi, the head of UN Atomic uh, Watchdog, in his latest report to the Board of Governors, uh, said that Iran is not fulfilling its commitments and there is no progress um, ahead. Why is your relationship with the nuclear watchdog so strained if you have nothing to hide uh, regarding your nuclear program? You know, the reason is that uh, we signed JCPOA and uh, all the members were committed to, were obliged to be committed to that. But unfortunately, Americans withdraw. When Americans withdraw, even Europeans followed the Americans' order. And therefore, there was no choice for us but to limit our commitments based on JCPOA text itself. Therefore, we decided to reduce our commitments. And uh, that, in reality, Iran has uh, increased the level of enrichment. And, uh, and that has been all right. In fact, Mr. Garrisi said that this level of enriched uranium that Iran possesses right now, it is only nuclear weapon states that have that. This is true. So why do you need it if you don't want a nuclear weapon? This is a reaction to non-commitment of others. And it's not illegal. That is our legal right to do that. But in the same time, we do not have a strategy to develop a weapon, although we can do it. Even they themselves said that it's only two weeks time for Iran to just build a nuclear weapon. This so is a capability. But you you could build a nuclear weapon in two weeks, one or multiple? You know, that is what the others, others said, that Iran is very close to building a nuclear weapon. It's only need of two weeks time to build a nuclear weapon. But we do not have such a policy to do that because it is <clears throat> against the fatwa of leader of Islamic Republic. And we think that is, we don't need that. 
because we are member of NPT and uh, we have signed CTVT and therefore there's no need to do that. But by itself, this capability has been deterrent against others. And uh, therefore, this is the case. If they come back to JCBOA, naturally, we will come back and we will remain committed to that. Uh, I don't think there's anyone left that believes there's a possibility of JCPOA being revived. There needs to be a new version of it. Is there any uh, appetite within Iran's leadership to start rebuilding on what you had, a new version of No, we insist on the current text. You are ready to return to the text that already has been signed, provided the other side would be committed to that. But your, your level of nuclear activity has dramatically increased since the uh, JCPOA was signed. So there would have to be major adjustments made to the agreement to reflect. No, if, if they come back to the agreement, we will reduce the level of enrichment. We will come back to the uh, 3.67 uh, uh, enrichment. And the excess amount you will get rid of or get? Yeah, whatever, whatever JCPOA dictates. We are ready to, to be committed to that fully. So there's no new version, there's no updated version? There's no there's need of new version. version. It is there, it has been signed, only the others have to decide to come back to the current JCPOA. Kamal Harazi, advisor to Iran's Supreme Leader, member of the Expediency Council, thank you for talking to Al Jazeera. Thank you.